This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. And he is worthy to be praised. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we might as well rejoice and be glad in it. God has richly blessed us. We're here to do his will. We're here to do his will. One song says, Consecrate me now to the service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. And guess what? And my will be lost in thine. What an awesome God we serve. Our scripture again from Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, which we've been doing for this whole series. That's been our base scripture. And then we'll do Acts 1, verse 8, and then verse our Acts 8, verse 1. Uh, that'd be Acts 1 and 8, and then Acts 8 and 1. From Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Acts 1, we find, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let me say it again, Acts 1 and 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And Acts 8, 1. And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, we thank you for this day, another opportunity to come, to serve, to learn, to grow, to be more what you'd have us to be. God, right now we pray in the precious name of Jesus that every last one of us would hear your word on today but not just be hearers of your word, but followers of your word to do your will. Have your way today, God. Even if it was not our intention to hear from you, God, speak to us anyhow. And quicken our spirits that we may receive your message and then give to others that others who may not know you may come to know you and live for you, God. We thank you and count it all joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. X 18 and X 81. Have you ever asked yourself the question, since you've been saved, why do I go through what I have to go through? I mean, since you've come to know Jesus, have you wondering why do I have to go through what I go through? Now, now let me say why I'm saying that. Sometimes in our effort to get other folk to come to Jesus, we say things like, if you come to the Lord, Everything going to be all right. Yeah. All your trials, all your tribulations, all the stuff you're doing, 
will say, you know what, you, you can give up all that stuff and come to Jesus. One song, put it this way, I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad, but I found in him a resting place, and he's made me glad. That don't talk about any trials, tribulations, and persecutions. I'm, I'm resting and I'm glad. So you ever think about why is it that we go through what we go through, even when you've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? You know, before you got saved, all the stuff's going on. Some people say, I, you know, I was doing better before I got saved. Now, I question whether or not they really saved the folk to say that, but... But to talk about how the temptations and the trials and the tribulations come once you have Christ. Well, hopefully today I can kind of help us with why you go through what you go through. That's sort of the goal here, to kind of help you with why you have the suffering, the persecutions, the stuff you go through, why you, why you go through those. Hopefully we can have that by the end of this message. See, Jesus did tell us after he gave the great commandment that in this world we would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus told us after he gave the great commandment. So he prepares us after we receive the great commandment to love, he prepares us for the great commission to go. But even in John, when he prepares us to go, he says, this is what I'm sending to you. He said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. That's what Jesus said he's sending us out as. Now, now who signed up for that? Yeah, who, 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 who want to be a lamb in the midst of wolves? And I contend that that's possibly part of the reason why we don't go. When he says go and make disciples. He didn't say stay and make disciples. He said go and make disciples. But then he also warns us, I'm sending you out <laughs> as lamb among wolves. So lamb saying, you know, I got good common sense. I ain't, mm, not them wolves. But, but now notice this. The lamb that will go out among wolves will be lambs that have faith in the shepherd. If you know the shepherd will protect you and guide you and keep you and feed you, and the shepherd will do what's very best for you. You can go even as lamb among wolves. Because you know that the shepherd got you. Well, huh. we're still saved, but we're reluctant. Yeah, we, we get comfortable right where we are. We kind of want to keep doing the same thing over and over again saying, well, at least I'm saved. I got heaven. I ain't really got to do nothing else. I'm, I'm comfortable in my position that I have. I'm comfortable with what I'm doing in church and well, what I'm not doing in church. I'm comfortable with that too. I'm comfortable with the little bit I give. You know, I, I give enough. I give more than somebody else. I, I give more to other folks, so I, I'm comfortable with that. I don't, I don't need to do any more. I'm, I'm preparing for later. So I, I'm just kind of comfortable. I'm, I'm going to coast my way on the heaven. That's kind of what I want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable. God knows this. God knows we're comfortable. God knows we think we're going through enough right now. 
Yeah. But follow me with this. I want to walk through this quickly. Now, if you get it quickly, I'll be done. If you don't get it, I'm going to keep going. And I don't want you to just act like you got it because God really got a word for us, all right? Listen, follow me on this. The first thing we have in Matthew 22, Jesus gave us the great commandment. And we've been doing this, this series for a few Sundays now. He gave us the great commandment. And the great commandment is that we should love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the first thing. Even Jesus come along and said, new commandment I give you is that you love one another. So the way we love God is to love one another. You got to get that point first. The way we love God is to love one another. You got to love everybody, not just the folk in your family, not just the folk who like you. You got to love everybody. I said everybody. Did y'all hear him say everybody? God so loved the world. Who's the world? Everybody. God loves everybody. If you want people to love people who you love, God wants you to love people who he loves. And he loves everybody. That's right. God even loves the people you can't stand. Don't get mad with God about it now. You'll be all right. God, God loves them. God loves them. He wants the best for them. He, he wants them saved. Because when we talk about doing God's will, God's will is what? That what? Praise the Lord. They know, Lord. They know now. They know. <laughs> it, it, it's his will that none should perish, that everybody will come to know Christ. And you can never, I've said this for the last few Sundays, you can never position yourself in such a way till you got in your mind and in your heart, there's somebody who you're hoping don't go to heaven with you. I want to go to him, but I know, oh, I know, mm, no, not, mm, I, mm, no, not them. If there's anybody who you don't want in heaven with you, guess what? You're, you're probably the answer. I got that right. All right, so, so, so he wants us to have a heart and a manner of everybody. And, and then so... So that he tells us to love everybody, but then from the great commandment, Jesus dies for our sins. He, he loves us so much that he knows we've sinned, we come short, we cannot have a right relationship with God. So what Jesus does is that he goes on the cross for your sins and my sins. He let them put nails in his hands, nails in his feet, with a crown of thorns on his head, and he's whipped and he's beaten, and he hangs on the cross, and he dies for all of your sins, all of my sins. He dies so we might can have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus dies for our sins. After he tells us how to love, then he shows us how to love, and he dies for our sins. He's placed in a grave, stayed all night Friday night, all day Saturday, all night Saturday night, but what? Hey. On Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with... Oh. All right, y'all know that too. See, that's the gospel. That's what we're supposed to tell everybody. That's the good news, that he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose from the grave. After he rose from the grave, then he gives us the great commandment in Matthew 28. He says, now, I have all power, I have all authority, it's been given unto me. He says, now go therefore and make disciples. Yes. He, he, say, he says, I, listen, he said, I told you to love, and because of this love, now I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go. I, I'm, I'm commissioning you to go, I'm commissioning you to go. And then he tells them in Acts chapter 1, he said, let me tell you about this going thing. You will go... Because the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, yeah, he, he will come and he will make you, give you power to become my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. All right? You get that? The Holy Spirit comes, he will give you that. Now notice what he did. He commanded us to love. He commissioned us to go. 
And then through the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to do what he's commissioned and commanded us to do. He empowers us with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, he says, wait for the promise. Wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Yeah, he, he said, just wait for the, come on, the Holy Spirit comes. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, what will happen? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, all Judea, and Samaria, and where? Everywhere else. Okay? That, that's what he, they're empowered now to do this. That, that's what he did. He told them to receive power and go and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts. Now, the Holy Spirit comes. Now, get this part. I'm almost done. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, the church is right where they were in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 4, the church was still in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 5, they were empowered in Acts chapter 2. But after Acts chapter 5, they're still in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 6, they're still in, they're still in Jerusalem. And then that's when they get more help and more, more diversity when he brings on the deacons to serve. In Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 7, they're still in Jerusalem. And toward the end of chapter 7, we find that Deacon Stephen preaches the word of God. He tells folk that this Jesus who you killed rose from the grave. The gospel. Give him the gospel. They're so upset with Stephen that they stoned him to death and Saul, who becomes Paul, was consenting unto his death. He was like, yeah, go on and kill him. That stuff, stuff he preaching. And, and when he preached this, he was Saul consenting unto his death and look at what happened in Acts chapter 7. It's not until Acts chapter 8 when great persecution comes. And when great persecution broke out, the Bible says, and they all were scattered. They went to Judea and Samaria. Everywhere else, only after persecution broke out. Jesus never intended for his disciples to get comfortable in Jerusalem and stay there. He told them, Luke 24, forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. That was the starting point. They were only supposed to remain in Jerusalem long enough to be infused with the power of the Holy Spirit and then take the gospel to the world. But they returned to Jerusalem and they stayed continually in the temple praising God. They were okay with doing what they were doing. Now, let me get this straight. It's okay to wait on God for directions and for the power to carry out what he's called you to do. But you just can't keep on repeating that same old earlier experience that you've had over and over again. Jesus said, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the question this morning is, do we really want to do God's will? Yeah, do we really want to do his will? How does he equip us? Because uh, now how he equips us, but, but not only does he have to equip us, he has to do something else. Like he did with them. He didn't just equip them, he had to propel them. 
Let me start again. Get, get, get this. Jesus commands us, then he commissions us, then he empowers us. Now he got to propel us because we just won't go. You see the example with the disciples, the apostles, and the church? They, they got good doing what they were doing, where they were doing, how they were doing it. He commands us, commissions us, empowers us, and then he propels us through various life situations. Seeing that we truly want to do his will, let's look at three things relative to truly doing God's will. First, don't get stuck in success that God has given you. When you're empowered, you have to move. Don't just keep doing enough to get by, especially if God's will is not getting done. If you're not a catalyst for folk who are not saved to be saved, look at how God has gifted you. You can have some talk about it in the Sunday school class this morning. He's gifted you, and with the various gifts you have, he expects a return on his investment. The things that we have to do because God has blessed us so. God didn't just bless us so we could go and brag about how blessed we are. God didn't just save us just so we could go to heaven. If the only reason God saved us was so we, so we could go to heaven, the moment he saved us, he would have killed us. Because you would have had heaven. So the reason he allowed all of us to have breath and to, and, to, and to be able to be a part of his kingdom is so his will could be done that others who do not know him will come to know him. When we're saved, God gave us everything we need to begin to do his will. Don't sit around and say, I need some more. I ain't got enough. I'm not like sister so-and-so. I'm not like brother so-and-so. I can't do it like them. No, he gave you everything you need to do. It's like prego. It's in there. It's in you. But what's in you? Last Sunday we talked about it. The fruit of the Spirit. He's giving you everything. If you live by the fruit of the Spirit, if you allow the fruit of the Spirit that's in you to be manifest in your life every day, folk who don't know Christ will come to Christ because they can see Christ in you. They'll see the love, the joy, the peace, the, long pa- the, 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 long, the patience, the long-suffering. They will see that the kindness, the joy, they will see that in you. I'm not talking about get a big Bible, go around and tell everybody, you better have Jesus or you're going to hell. Just live life and folk will want to have the joy that you have. We don't need more Holy Spirit. We have all the Holy Spirit we're going to get. Not more Holy Spirit. The question is not do you have all of the Holy Spirit? But the question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Let me put it another way. In order to be strong, you don't need more muscle. You strengthen the muscles you already have. You, you use the muscles that you have, and you will have more powerful muscles. Yeah, you got to see this. Resistance helps us to be strong. Yeah. Those are exercises and turn the, turn the knob up a little bit. You, you know, that, that, that helps to, to develop you, which leads me to my second point. Persecution has a purpose. Tribulation and difficult times are not there to make you bitter, but to make you better. It makes you more effective in doing God's will. 
Trouble will put us out there like nothing else will. You, you, well, let me put it this way. There, there, there's some folk you don't want to fool up with. You don't really want to talk to. But when trouble come your way, and God can sometimes fix it, but that's the only person that can help you out your mess. You start to swallow your pride, everything else. It's, it's just a way that this world has as well as such a way till we get to position in such a way that we realize, you know what, I really, I'm depending on God, but God expects me to love everybody, to forgive everybody, and to let his will be done through me. Amen. How do you handle the difficult situations in your life? And understand this, what you're going through is not just for you. Right. We, we, we sometimes miss that point. We, we, we feel so sorry about what I'm going through. Oh, I'm having a hard time. The dog died. The cat killed itself. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just so terrible. Nobody knows the trouble I It's really not about you. If you know that God has purpose in his heart, a special work for you to do, Whatever is happening in your life, you need to ask God, how can that be used that he can get glory? How can what you're going through help somebody else who may be going through something very similar or even more? How can God use me to help them see that God is still real? Somebody else needs what God has given you. It's not just yours. And since God intends to make us like Jesus, yeah, y'all know y'all want to be supposed to be like Jesus. Christians means Christ-like. You're a Christian, you're saying you are Christ, you like Christ. So if we all want to be like Christ, he will make us go through some of the same experiences that Christ went through. Yeah, that, that includes loneliness, temptation, stress, Criticism, rejection, and many other persecutions. God had only one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering and persecution. Even Jesus went through the suffering and persecution. So how does God get us out of the comfort zone? How, how, how did he get the first century church out of their comfort zone where they were cool with just sitting in Jerusalem because their air condition worked. How, how did they just get, how, they were cool sitting in, in the church in Jerusalem. How did God get them out of their comfort zone? The Bible says great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. We all believe that the gospel must be preached everywhere, right? Yeah. Let me say it again. We all believe that the gospel must be preached everywhere, right? Yeah. And the gospel is just the fact that that's the good news, that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the grave, he loves everybody. That's the gospel. We believe that ought to be preached everywhere. Mm-hmm. We all believe that, right? Yeah. We all believe that unsaved folk ought to be saved. Yeah. But few of us want to leave home and take the gospel to them. 
We're willing to pray and even pay as long as we can stay. But when God has a mission for you, he will do whatever it takes to get you moving. God needs his people to move forward for him. He needs us to get out of our comfort zone. He needs us to make a difference in building up his kingdom. We may have to move into uncharted territory in order to make a real difference around us and beyond us. This was nothing new. Peter, James, and John, when they got with Jesus, Jesus took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. While they were on that mountain, there was such a great experience with Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Uh, Peter said, wow, this is great. Let's build some tabernacles. Let's, let, let's build some so we can stay here for a while. We, we can just stay right here and just worship and have a great time. Let's just do this. Jesus said, no, brothers. There's work in the valley. We've got to leave this place and do the work we've called to do. Many times when things are good, we don't want to move from that spot or that place of satisfaction. Jesus did say to us, we, the Christians, he said, we are the salt of the earth. Y'all remember that? He said, we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth. But Jesus says, if the salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it but to be trodden over? He said, we are the salt of the earth. Amen? He says, we're the salt. That's us. Jesus says we're the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. We may in fact be the salt of the earth. But if I need some salt and it's in the shaker, there's plenty of salt around. But that ain't really helping me. Salt walking this way, salt walking that way, salt going forward, going back. Big salt, little salt, it's all salt. But I ain't getting no salt from the salt shaker. So if you're in this predicament that there's a need for salt, what has to happen to the salt containers? You got to turn them up and shake them. That's the only way salt going to come out. He, he, he tells us we're the salt of the earth, but we walk around as good salt. You wonder why your life gets shaken up. Because he needs some salt spread around. Instead of just sitting on Facebook and Instagram and talking about how bad the world is, he'll shake you up and let that salt come out of you. Because he realized we are the salt of the earth. 
we can't just be salt seekers. But we got to be, every trial and tribulation you have, you ought to thank the Lord for shaking you up. Don't get mad about being shaken up. Just look to the Lord for what comes your help. God wants to use us to do his will. And he will shake us up. You're going to have some storms in your life. You're going to have some tribulation in your life. But you still got to look unto him. You, you got to look to the hills from his coming to your help. Who, 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 who puts it? Who puts it best? Who, who, how, how can I find a great theologian to help me put it best? Let's see. I, I got a great theologian that I think all of y'all know. Yeah. It's Bishop Reverend Dr. Martin. Well, what does Morton have to say? Morton got to say, when the storm comes, the tribulation comes, he says, when it rains, it pours. But what I'm trying to say is, when your situation gets so bad, you don't know which way to turn. You don't know how to look. You don't know what's going on. All you got to do is say, Lord, I trust you. Because the Bible says, if God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. You got to trust him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. I'm, 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 I'm just about done. I want you to understand the persecution. Last point, persecution can be your friend. Yeah, if you recognize what God can do in your life, if you love the Lord, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of your trial, you can show to a dying world that we serve a God who still loves and cares for us. Persecution can be your friend. It takes many years of pressure on rocks, pressure on the rocks, pressure on the rocks that form coal, and then there's pressure on the coal, and pressure on the coal, and pressurized rocks and coal becomes diamonds. Don't dismiss irritation in your life. I know we get mad with a whole lot of folk that could be very irritable. But again, know that God loves them too. And the only reason you know they're irritable is because God got enough confidence in you to help them to become what he wants them to be. When a little sand gets into an oyster or a clam, it irritates the soft tissue yeah, of the clam or the oyster of the shell. Therefore, the, the oyster or the clam will get a little coating is secreted onto the irritation. Yeah, and it, it does that secretion onto the, the sand so it'll be a little less irritating. And, and even though it's an irritation, they just put a little more secretion on it. They, they put a little more on it just to kind of protect them from the irritation. But, but, but as you keep putting it on there, and, and, it, and it keeps, the irritation stays there. It's not removed, it stays there. And, and when you start looking at this irritation, the little coating gets a little more and more. And after a while, the irritation turns into a pearl. That, that which was useless, that, that was irritating, now becomes something very precious. All I'm saying this morning is just hang in there. 
under the pressure and the persecution. Hang in there. Don't throw away the irritation. Just keep on trusting God. Keep speaking to your unfortunate situation and start looking at your diamond. Watch the source of discomfort become your pearl. I'm saying you can trust God in everything. Can you feel a little pressure even this morning? Pressure to serve God the way he wants you to serve? Pressure to love like God wants you to love? Pressure to give like God wants you to give? Pressure to forgive like he wants you to forgive? Before you, God will let you miss out on your destiny. He will permit trouble and persecution to uproot you and to shake you. You can't just live in the past. He has a blessing for you in the future. And when God lights a fire under you, you ought to get right up and move for God. When times get hard, Know that God can help you. That's why he placed it in you. To God, so God's will, so God can get glory. Yeah. To do God's will, this is the the tweetable part. To do God's will, you don't have to be perfect, but perfectly willing to be used by God. I said to do God's will, You don't have to be perfect, but perfectly willing to be used by God to do his will. Too too many times we don't do what we ought to do because we say, well, I ain't a preacher, I ain't a deacon, I ain't a, I I sinned, I messed up, but Jesus knows that. But in the midst of what you're going through, you got to lift up Jesus. In the midst of your trial, your tribulation, you got to lift up Jesus. In the midst of persecution, you got to lift up Jesus. No matter what's happening in your life, you still need to lift up Jesus. I don't care what they call you. I don't care what they said about you. Don't matter how they've been acting. Don't care what they said about your family. Don't care what they've been doing all your life. Your job is to lift up Jesus. Because Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men, women, boys, and girls under me. Our job is to lift him up because he loves and he cares for us. Lift him up by living as a Christian or let the world and you the Savior see. Then men will gladly follow him who was taught. I'll draw all men unto me. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose from the grave. And he's coming back again for those who will lift him up. There might be somebody today that's saying, I need to lift Jesus up. Somebody there said, I need to be saved. I've, I've seen, I've come short, I've not been everything I ought to be. Listen, no matter where you live, today the first invitation is just to come and say, Lord, I need you in my life. That's the first invitation. That no matter where you live, you can say, Lord, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. And we'll pray that you can receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then there may be others who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and need a church home and would like to unite in fellowship with First African Baptist. But as we pray today, we're praying that you would first of all Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be a lamb going out among wolves because I trust you as my shepherd. I trust you. Live in me, God. Help me to be what you want me to be. If you're here today, we'll still your invitation. Won't you come? Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.
May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.